It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott uh, Huff producing the show. Almost forgot your name, Scott. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, buddy. Uh, oh, uh, you know what? What a great wild card weekend it was. I don't think I picked any games right against the spread, Mike. I don't believe that. I, maybe I did one. No, I think you did. You got, let's see. Um, we both took Buffalo, so we got that one wrong. You took New England. I got, took Tennessee. All right, I got that one wrong. I took Minnesota. You took New Orleans. Oh, no. You you did take Seattle. You took Seattle. I took, C- I took you Seattle. Did, you took Seattle. That's but, the only one you got right. Oh, because New Orleans was favored, right? right. Oh, yeah. You big favor. Yeah, I suck. Um, but that's, Well, there's always this week. Yeah, there's always this week. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. What did you think about some of the, uh, the coaching hires? Wow. Well, let... let Let's start with Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. I mean, that's that's the big headline one. And I, you know what? What bothers me about some of these coaching hires is that newer is perceived to be better. And so, never mind the fact that Zach Taylor hasn't done anything. He comes from the the Sean McVay system. He's got to be something special. Turns out he's he sucks. But Mike McCarthy, who all Mike McCarthy did was like have a well over 60% winning percentage, won a Super Bowl, but he's considered a retread. And and that's what bothers me is that these guys that have a proven track record are considered retreads, but these these guys who are new and supposedly fresh and exciting, they're the ones that, that coaches, right. that teams want, Well, their fans so, want. Right, there's so many things, like there's so many things that bothered me about about the whole process that the Dallas Cowboys went through. And and it's the reason that I believe the Dallas Cowboys will never have success as long as Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys and is the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys because I've always felt like his ever since Jimmy Johnson when he didn't get the shine and Jimmy Johnson got all the shine then he fired Jimmy Johnson it was all about Jerry Jones. And and so I've never felt like he's really I, I never really felt like he's ever empowered a coach. He's always appointed a coach. Right. And, and here's another part of the process. And I think Mike McCarthy's a really good hire because Mike McCarthy is an adult. But at what point do you emasculate your coach? And you go through the whole process, Mike. This was like Dallas Cowboy fans were completely okay with how he treated Jason Garrett. Well, he's part of the family, right? And then it was like, well, yeah, he may be part of the family, but if you know you're moving on from Jason Garrett, the best thing you can do for Jason Garrett is to fire Jason Garrett so none of the other teams have to get your permission if they wanted to interview Jason Garrett for the offensive coordinator or the head coach or whatever the case may be. But no, 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 we're we're slow playing this. And then I had a bunch of Dallas Cowboy fans like tweet me, like, what's wrong with the way they're doing it? His contract is up. uh, January 14th, so it's going to expire anyway. So why? Like, there's no right way to do something wrong. If you don't want the guy, then you need to fire the guy, and you need to move forward with your organization. And and I got so many people saying, well, it'll take care of itself. It's like office space. Hey, listen, we figured out there was a glitch in the system, and he kept getting checks, but we fixed the glitch so we don't have to fire him. He'll just eventually not get clicks uh, checks anymore. That's Milton, right? So my, my response to a lot of people on Twitter was, 
was with the, the Dallas Cowboy fans that were like, oh, my God, that, wh- wh- why are you pissed off about this, that, that the contract's going to expire? Hey, listen, if you get a new puppy and the puppy takes a shit in your living room, do you, do you go over there and punish the puppy and then take him outside and, and show him, you know, do you try to correct the behavior, right? And then you clean up the shit? Or do you still leave the shit in the living room for two weeks? I mean, what do you do? You clean the shit up. That's what you do as an organization. And the fact that you didn't do it, the fact that he, that Jason Garrett was still your head coach, that you were still having discussions with Jason Garrett, that he was still begging for his job, and you had Mike McCarthy come over, interview, and spend the night at your house. He spent the night. Do you think Mike McCarthy had the walk of shame the next morning? Like he's got his underpants in his hand. <laughs> right? He's shuffling back to the hotel. Walk head. of shame. Wow. Did this not the, expect this conversation this, to turn there. This the head down. Oh. You know. Slinking oh, out. Huh? Slinking out of Jerry's house. I'm so embarrassed. I, I mean, good. I think Mike McCarthy's a hell of a coach. And, and you know, I thought he was a hell of a coach when he was in Green Bay. And I think it's I think it's a really good hire. I really do. I just don't know that you're ever going to fully empower anybody as long as Jerry Jones owns it. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think it's a recipe to eventually circumvent your coach's authority for guys to not respect him at the level they should, not to fear him at the level they should. And and that's just a recipe for failure. Look, I. I'm old school most of the time. I I'm not consumed with the idea of oh you got to go out and make a a sexy hire. Okay, right. let's get that straight. However, I got to admit the Joe Judge hire with the oh. Giants just it just feels on the surface like wah wah wah. So I've been covering the NFL for 19 years, 16 years with ESPN, the last three years with. Um, with Fox, and in the last three years I've been calling games. Now, I hadn't called a Patriot game in in three years. Um, I'll be honest, when they announced Joe Judge, I had to look up who Joe Judge was. Right. I did. Right. I don't know Joe Judge. How many Giant fans you think did the same exact thing? Right. Who is Joe Judge? Um, and, I, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea who Joe Judge is and, you know, what intrigued people about Joe Judge. I will say this. A lot of people like laugh at the lack of success that Patriots coaches, you know, off the Bill Belichick tree have had. And they're like, oh my God, here we go again. Bill Belichick tree is garbage. You know, you start to look at it now and all of a sudden it doesn't look so bad. What Bill O'Brien has done with multiple quarterbacks and the, the, the number of times he's gone to the playoffs with guys like Fitzpatrick and guys like. Ryan Mallett and guys like Brian Hoyer for crying out loud and TJ Yates and you know I mean they've had a, a cavalcade of quarterbacks that have played they're obviously Deshaun Watson now but they've gone to the playoffs multiple times under under um under his tutelage and under his coaching uh look what Brian Flores did I mean you could argue that he is the coach of the year based upon the fact that they traded away good players uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was their quarterback and their leading rusher, and somehow they found a way to win, what, five, six games yeah. when everybody thought they would lose them all? Um, Vrabel? He, yeah, Vrabel. Vrabel just out Belichick, Belichick in New England. I wonder I wonder how much of these recent developments pushed the Giants towards Judge, meaning literally what happened in the last couple of weeks 
O'Brien mm-hmm. winning a playoff game. Flores doing what he did, culminating with that upset in New England, and then what Vrabel did. If if those results don't happen right. or go the other way, let's say Buffalo doesn't blow that big lead and knocks off Houston. Mm-hmm. Let's say New England does what they're expected to do, right. beats Miami that right. day. And let's say Tom Brady has one last hurrah in him and the Patriots beat the Titans. Is Joe Judge a coach of the right, Giants? We probably still have never heard of Joe Judge. I don't. I don't think here's, he is. Here's the one thing that I think is interesting. Suddenly, trying to tap into the Patriot way, right, is is in vogue again. Right. I, I think one thing that's interesting to me is you know this the way that owners look at like oh let me get a good innovative play caller let me get a good you know blah 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 like young offensive assistant because it usually goes offensive right and I think one thing that has happened this year that may have opened the eyes up of owners is to see what Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, excuse me, a, um, you know, a former special teams coach has done in Baltimore, the different machinations. They've won a, a Super Bowl with, with Harbaugh. I mean, excuse me, with uh, Flacco. They have, you know, they, they, then they completely changed. They put the NFL on its ear, completely changed the way the NFL looks at the game, completely w- changed the way the NFL looks at quarterbacks and and systems. And I, I don't, I wonder some with, with uh, Joe Judge, I wonder if some of that is, let's not get a play caller. Let's not get a coordinator that that's going to want to hold on to the play calling and doing all that stuff. Let's get a manager of men. Let's get a guy that's in charge of the organization. Let's get a guy that's coaching the football team, that's actually coaching the coaches. And let's appoint a, a offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Let's empower those guys to do their jobs. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that's happened in Baltimore is they stripped down the system. Um, he... John Harbaugh got his coaches together, Greg Roman on the offensive side, right? It was Marty Morningwig. He fired Marty Morningwig and took and elevated Greg Roman, who was a quarterback's coach, and said, let's put your system together. And then he got Wink Martindale on the other hand, who's the defense coordinator, and said, let's marry these two systems together so they're complementary. Let's simplify the language and let's make this so our players can play fast and play aggressive and play physical. And and he empowered both of those guys to do that, and I think it. I think that part to me is fascinating, and I think I I honestly think that that coaches who coach the the, the Pete Carrolls of the world that that give that responsibility to their coordinators mm-hmm. and say go do it and just let me coach the game. Well, let me be involved with the players. Well, Mark, when you think about it, who if there's one coach. On an entire football team, besides a head coach, if there's one coach on an entire football team that, in theory, coaches guys from every part of the team, mm-hmm. who is it? Special teams coach. Yeah. I mean, he's got defensive guys, offensive guys. He's got skill position guys. Right. He's got linemen. They're all involved in kickoff, punt return, extra point, yeah. all that stuff. Field goal. So if... If we're looking at perhaps a little mini trend going on here in the NFL, supported by the strength of Harbaugh, and let's not forget, Bill Belichick started as a special teams coach. Yeah, right. Maybe there is some some idea out there that hey, listen, you know, special teams coaches. If anybody's going to have a good grasp of what's mm-hmm. going on with the entire team, 
It's a guy like that. Yeah, you know what they always say in the NFL is is the most important hire, even in college, the most important hire, the first hire that most coaches make. You know who it is? It's not their offensive coordinator. It's a strength coach. Yeah. Because that guy touches every player, every position, and that guy has his finger on the pulse of what makes a guy tick. Like, you bring the strength coach in and go, what do you think about this guy, this guy? He can tell you. Right. This guy's a worker. Right. This guy is you know, a grinder. This guy's a – now, he can't tell you necessarily how good a football player is, but he can tell you some of the intangible stuff that you look for. So, I mean, you go through it. Most of the time when you watch a new hire, that strength coach is one of the first people they get. Or that and trainers. They bring, like I think Ron Rivera, the first hire he made was the, the trainer that he brought with him. So I think it's a really important aspect to the to the real savvy coaches. They understand the guys who who essentially are in communication or in uh, relationship. I think is the best way to put that in relationship with everybody on that football team. You know, uh, Mark, we're about fifteen minutes into this podcast, and I can't believe that we have uh, buried the lead like we have. Um, your boy Brady, what what's going to happen? It's what America wants to know. Well, um, he 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 came out on his Instagram. If you don't follow him, you need to follow Tom Brady on Instagram. I mean, it's just just um, he print he 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 posts some beautiful pictures of himself, um, and um, and I love him. He's the world's greatest American, and he is coming back to uh, wreak havoc on this league at forty three. Really? Yes. And wreak havoc. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dispense. Quarterbacking justice. You, you're talking about the same quarterback who, over the last three years, has been tremendous. Has gone down in every major Super statistical category. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's gone down Super in completion Bowl. percentage. He's gone down in passing yards. He's gone down in touchdowns. He's gone down in quarterback rating incrementally each year over ha- the last three. Has he won Super Bowl? He has. Oh, okay. All right. That's a couple of them. That's wonderful. Um. I don't care how good you are as a quarterback. You have to have a good football team. That's what wins championships. They were 12-4 and this year. Uh, Their offensive weaponry just fell off the map, and that needs to be fixed. Now, he's going to play. Where he's going to play, I don't know. I assume, like if I had to handicap it, like there's like three major quarterbacks that are going out on the market, right? Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. So if I was a handicapper, which I am not, and my picks are definitely, you know, I mean, go opposite of what I say. You'll be rich. Right. But having done a Charger game toward the end of the season and having talked to Phillip Rivers and having talked to Anthony Lynn and having talked to people within that organization, I'd say 100% Phillip Rivers will not play for the Chargers. 100%. 100%. Okay. If I'm a gambling man, I put everything I own on Phillip Rivers never donning the Charger uniform again as a player. Now, he may come back and sign a one-day contract right. and become, you know, and, yeah. and retire a Charger, right. but he will, I I, I would 100% he's wow. not going to play for the Chargers. Okay. The, the flip side of that is true with Drew Brees. To me, there's no other place he's ever going to play than New Orleans, and I, I just feel like he and John Payton are too thick. I don't think... Um, Tyson Hill is ready yet. I think he is an unbelievable offensive weapon. He's a you know OW, uh, but I don't think he's he's ready to be the full time starter at the quarterback Bridgewater. position yet. I think Bridgewater is gone, 
So I, I think I, I, if I'm a gambling man, I put 100% the Breeze is back in New Orleans next year. Okay. Tom Brady, I would say probably 70-80% he's back in New England next year. He's going to play again next year. So that leaves what? 70? That uh, leaves a, a 20-30% chance that he's going to play elsewhere. I, I guess for me, it really comes down to where where else would he go? You know, what would be the criteria that he would be looking for? Would it be, hey, I'm I have to go someplace that I can win. Mm-hmm. I have to go play someplace that you know Giselle's going to be comfortable with. I have to go someplace where you know it's a good fit with the the coach and the coordinator, all that. If those are the criteria, and I don't think I'm, you know, saying things that are outlandish. Mm-hmm. Then where? Who who? Which team checks all those boxes? Uh, I think that I I think there's I think that's the tough. That's why I think New England is is still the best fit. But the Chargers, you think there's any way that he had Garoppolo moved out of New England and he would go and usurp Garoppolo in San Francisco? That was his childhood team now. Boy, Jimmy, Jimmy would have to fall real flat on this weekend to have that happen, wouldn't it? You would think. Now, I don't know. I don't know the contract parameters. I'm sure there's probably some type of out in there, but you can't go. I mean, Jimmy but Garoppolo's see, got his career in front of him. Brady is his career is is you know. I mean, right. it's, it's another year. So if two. you're a team and you're interested in Brady, mm-hmm. let's look at it from that that standpoint. Okay. What what are you trying to get out of it? Are you are you you can't you're not looking for your quarterback of the future, obviously. Right. So you must think it, it's gotta fall into one or two categories. Either you think you have a team that is poised to win now, right, if only you had the better a, a different quarterback, or you just gotta put fannies in the seats, which is what makes the the, the charger one is the one that keeps making the most sense. Right. right? For the for the hey, we're opening up a new stadium. We have a, uh, we're having a tough time selling season tickets. Uh, nobody really feels like we're part of the Los Angeles culture, right? The Rams came back. That was exciting. They went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, they had an off year. They fired some coaches. But the Rams feel natural. The Chargers don't. They just don't. So that makes sense. Cleveland, if in fact, think about if in fact Josh McDaniels goes to Cleveland, that's one to me that makes sense. And I know you've got, you know, Baker Mayfield. Uh, thank goodness they didn't make the playoffs so he could make some more commercials. Because that guy, I saw another couple commercials this weekend that I hadn't seen before. So, uh, can you imagine if he was busy in the playoffs? He wouldn't be able to make all these commercials. Right, right. But if Josh McDaniels goes to Cleveland, like that one feels like, like one, they're a real talented football team with Chubb and with the receivers they have and the tight end they have. And, you know, obviously they, they need to get a, a starting left tackle, a, a quality starting left tackle. But that, that one seems to make sense to me. Cleveland, though. But it, it, does that check the does, – does, you know, does Giselle want to be in Cleveland? No. No. Um, and if you're Tom Brady and you've got 20 years – in the bank, do you right. want to risk the idea 
that if you're going to continue to play somewhere else other than New England and run the risk of somehow tarnishing your legacy, do you really want to look back? And say, I finished in Cleveland. Right. Right. Factory says, what about Carolina? Now, they've got some, with with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they've got some offensive weaponry. Again, I just think that if you're going to leave New England, it's it's got to be for something that is not only for football reasons, but beyond football. This is a guy that we, we know about the TB12 method. Mm-hmm. You know, we know about, yeah, I think this is somebody who wants to continue to post playing career. He wants to be active. I think mm-hmm. he wants to be involved in, um, in, in promoting things and marketing things. And what better place to do it than, than LA? I All think right, the wife one, would like it. Right. I, there's I, one last one that I'll give you. One last one. Plus, you know, just the idea of being back in California. I mean, he is from California. Right. right. Now, this wouldn't be Northern California, but it's still California, which is is kind of going back to his roots a little. I the Chargers are really the only team other than New England that makes sense to me. All right, I'm going to throw one more at you, and, right. and I'm with you. I think the Chargers are the number one destination, if not if not um, excuse me, if not New England. What about Dallas? Dak Ooh. Prescott. They were they were never able to get a contract with Dak Prescott. What if they just decide to push all the, you know, all the chips into the middle and say, let's go for, we've got a Super Bowl caliber roster. We've got one of the best offensive lines in football. we got the best running back in football or one of the best running backs in football. We've got a, um, you know, Amari Cooper and we've got Gallup and we've got some receivers and we've got some tight ends and we've got a defense that has, we've got a defense that has some teeth. We just need that one kind of field general to lead us, and it's Dallas. It's America's team, right? Ooh, that one. That one's interesting too. But, but, but. Here's my response to that. That was a Dallas. Do you think that there was some uh, legitimate tension between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy at the end? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you think Tom Brady would call his buddy Aaron Rodgers, or they'd be hanging out at the Kentucky Derby and? He'd be asking about Mike McCarthy. Actually, free agency would be done by then, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you think he he talks to Mike to Aaron Rodgers and probably sure. doesn't get a favorable report about McCarthy, and that probably I, no, I don't changes. Think, I, I I think that he would get a he would I think that there would be positives and negatives. But come on, I mean, you get somebody like you get somebody like Brady, and you've got to do. Some things to make Brady comfortable. I mean, you know, it's a one-year rental. It's kind of like what happened here in in Denver with Peyton. Like when Peyton, when John Fox was in charge, like Peyton, this is what Peyton wants to run. This is what we're going to run. I think there's. I think McCarthy's smart enough to understand that. Dallas, Dallas has some teeth to it to me. Okay. All right. All right. Those are two teams. Yeah, I, I would. But you know, the Carolinas, Indy. Yeah, that doesn't feel right. Cleveland, yeah. no. I, I think you're right. It's got to be not only a team that maybe is 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 poised to win, but where matters okay. as much, too. Okay, this weekend. Yes. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, Saturday, Vikings 49ers. Man, I uh, I thought I thought the Vi- – I think this is a good matchup because they're, they're very similarly built. Um, and, you know, I, I – I, I like the 49ers. I think the 49ers are a better football team, but 
Uh, the Vikings are tough, man. When they're running the ball well and they're setting up their play action stuff well, um, they're both multiple tight ends, fullback, you know, blah, 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 blah. Defensively, I think what people don't realize is how good the Vikings are and how on third down, how good Mike Zimmer is in creating, you know, creating looks that you don't necessarily see. One thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo will throw he'll make three bad decisions a game. Can you catch the ball? Like if you can catch the ball, you can win that game. Um it's minus seven, Mike. I think the I think the Niners win, but I, I don't think they cover. I, I'm I, with you. All right. I'm with you. Uh, and by the way, Kirk Cousins may be getting a giant monkey off his back. Maybe he actually goes into a, another playoff game feeling kind of relaxed, right. kind of confident. All right, we'll both go with the Vikings uh, getting the seven. Titans, Ravens, uh, Baltimore's a 10-point favorite. Um uh, I like, well, Mark Ingram might not play. I just think this is such a unique, it's just such a unique offensive system and offensive scheme, such an aggressive defense. Um, I really like the Ravens. I like the Ravens to win this game. Ten points. My my spread has eight and a half. You've got ten I over got there? I got ten. Well, where'd you get, where are you? Where I'm you? looking at ESPN.com right oh, now. I'm looking at Yahoo. Um, let's, let's split it in nine, split it nine, okay. nine, a nine. Um, uh, who you got? I'll take the Ravens. I will too. Yeah. I just, yeah. Boom. It, it, what, what Tennessee did last week was very impressive, but I think, they're I gonna, think you've got to be more multiple than, right. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll this game. I think they're going to force Tannehill into a couple yeah. of picks and yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think they, I think they roll 10 plus. All right. We go to Sunday, Texans, Chiefs, Kansas city. Again, I got 10. Yeah, I got nine and a half. Doesn't matter. Kansas City, I think, is going to roll in this game. They're offensively, they're just too damn. There's too. They're too multiple. The other thing that that Kansas City can do that very few people can is they can consistently in third downs get five guys out in the pattern, and the five guys they put out in the pattern, you can't cover them. I just promise you that they can lock up their two offensive tackles are good enough to lock up your edge, which they do exceptionally well. And buy their quarterback enough time to get five out. And when five are out, when you've got Hill and you've got Travis Kelsey and you've got a bunch of other guys at Watkins, or not is yeah, Sammy Watkins, right? You got a bunch of other guys that run four three five. That like you, you're not going to cover them all. I'm I'm taking the Chiefs. I'll give the points. All right, and uh, Seattle at Green Bay. Green Bay a five point favorite. Um, this one's a this one's a tough one for me. I think that's I think the Seahawks are so beat up. I think they're so beat up. I'm I'm taking the Packers. But boy, Seattle just I I was in, I was really impressed. Now it helped that Wentz went down early, right? But there is a mental toughness to Seattle. Oh yes, they just keep traveling across the country and keep playing well. That, um, that's and, what, and they and they they yeah. hang into. I I think Green Bay. This one just feels like it's going to be a, a three point game. I think Green Bay wins it ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I think Seattle covers. Okay, you're going to take Seattle to cover. I'm going to I'm going to take Green Bay to win. Um, I think they win by six, okay. so they'll cover. But I, I I'm with you. Seattle mentally, the toughness and talking to Pete Carroll during the season. I did a couple of his games. They they preach that that we don't learn anything about ourselves in blowouts. Mm-hmm. We learn about ourselves in one point games, and three point and games, and the thing, and they play that way. The thing I like most about Seattle's chances right now is that I know this is a team that loves to to run the football, but because of all the injuries, they kind of have no choice but to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Mm-hmm. And 
that's not a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing a at all. Thing. All right, well, enjoy divisional weekend, guys. So uh, excited about football and excited about the, uh, the, the playoffs here in the NFL. For everybody involved in the Sink of Truth podcast, we'll talk to you next week.